Holly G with the Golf Insiders with one of our favorites, Jeff Babineau, formerly with Golf Week, senior writer and uh, contributor to MorningRead.com. And the match delivered. Babs, the big match, charity for champions, champions for charity. Uh, it was a fantastic day of golf on Sunday. Not exactly Chamber of Commerce weather in South Florida, but fun to watch Tiger and Phil and Brady and Manning um, show us the human side of golf, show us how to weather the elements, and, and also just some great fun. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a big hit. You know, I I flipped it on at 3 o'clock. I mean, we're up here in Orlando. We're only a couple hours away. And I saw the pelting rain on the range, and I was like, oh, no. You know, are we going to not get this event in with the with the rain? But, you know, they toughened it, toughened it up, and probably a good day to play a muddy football game. But they hung in there, and they delivered, I thought. It was entertaining. It was a good match. You know, it went down to the 18th hole, which is – you know, match play is always a crapshoot on television. You never know what you'll you'll get, and uh, and I think all four of them kind of had their moments. So I, and in the end, you raised twenty million dollars for a good cause. So I thought it was a hit all the way around. Absolutely, twenty million, huge for COVID relief, and five point eight million tuned in. I think they said it was a record for for cable television. Yeah, I think if you got to go back to Tiger's comeback at the 2010 Masters to find a bigger viewing audience. So there's a big hit on that end. You know, the announcers were good. Barkley was funny. Very uh, funny. You know, I, I, Brian Anderson's a really underrated play-by-play guy. He's good. Uh, Justin Thomas and his debut was good. Trevor Edelman. I, I mean, I, I gave it stars all around. I thought those guys, it was a tough situation weather-wise. And, um, they turned it into gold. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. It sure was. And uh, speaking of gold, um, you know, certainly Sir Charles Barkley is uh, great at, uh, you know, quips in the moment and dishing it out. And um, as we were saying, as a Buffalo Bills fan, and I know you're a Patriot <laughs> diehard fan, probably a bunch of guys hating on uh, Mr. Tom Brady as he started out really shaky on those first six holes. Yeah, he was awful. Uh, yeah, I've seen him swing live. I've seen him up at the, at the Boston Golf Club. And he's a good player. He's got a good swing. And I saw those early swings. They were kind of short. And he was hitting those squirrely shots right. You know, the shot trackers were taking into the right woods in a hurry. Uh, and I worried for the guy. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really uncomfortable, especially when they flip it around and have to go alternate shot. So, you know, he made that the big shot on the par five for birdie. holes out from 150 yards, and I think it gave him a nice boost. And he played pretty pretty decently after that. And I thought Manning was the star of the show. Peyton Manning was terrific. He had some clutch shots. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it was, you know, people can relate to watching them struggle. And then they got it going a little bit, and that was good too. And and you know, Tiger and Phil were right in there. Tiger Tiger hit it pretty well, and Phil was fun. So uh, it was. A, I think it was a perfect mix. Yeah, I mean that shot Brady hit that. You know that had some mojo on it. He hit it behind the pin, yeah. and spun back into the hole. That looked. Uh, well, that looked pretty. Uh, pretty pretty good. Pretty 
pretty tasty as Phil would say. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, hey, when you're getting heckled on your golf game by Charles Barkley, if that doesn't spark you, I don't know what will. I, you can tell Brady kind of got fired up with Charles giving him an earful, too. So it was a great answer for Charles. And, uh, you know, I mean, if people are offering 50 grand, they had a green on a par three. So we got the 100 grand from Brooks Kepka. By making you a par better, and it was great. It was uh, it was the moment of the match, really, and and it kind of helped those guys just hang in there to make the match right on the back nine. Yeah, it sure did. Um, and uh, Brady also had a little issue with his uh, <laughs> pants, a little wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. I, I love this quote. He said, "I shouldn't wear the same pants to golf that I wear to church." That was classic. <laughs> He said his pants were practicing social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I told I'm watching it with my wife. My wife would never sit down and watch golf, but she'll sit down and watch Tom Brady. Oh. And uh, it's funny. And, and I said that early on. I think Tom Brady split his pants. And then two holes later, they were, he was in rain pants, and they were still playing on. Well, and they, you know, they did a fair amount of, uh, you know, chatter and bantering you know even despite the elements i mean hats off to the production crew because we know these have been challenging uh events to put on let alone you know the weather not cooperating uh but boy justin thomas just looking Uh like he was you know like he was a a professional broadcaster he just yeah he he was perfect he was really uh very calm, cool, and thought he did an amazing job. He was the right guy because there's not many guys that are really inside Tiger's circle. He is, so he could sit there and banter with Tiger. Give him the raspberries you know. a little. Yeah, sure. And they, and they had the great uh, moment where Phil took you to the chip he was going to hit. Oh, that was that fantastic. Was, that was fantastic. Yeah, right? So we could use a little, little more of that. Um, it was fun. It was. Uh, I thought Justin Thomas was great. He had fun with it. Uh, you know, it was good back and forth. He'd, he'd have a little back and forth with Charles back in the studio. And, you know, you had just the right amount of levity and, and serious stuff. You know, Trevor Immelman was really good. And uh, they just all around. I, I think they learned some things. You know, the week before, we all thought it was a little stale at Seminole. And so a I little they, stiff. Yeah, a little stiff. And I, so I think they learned some things. And that's, some, you know, the cart cam, that was kind of a cool little feature. And, the range banter and all that. They just, they learned and they executed and it came off just really, really good. Well, it looked like it wasn't going that way when uh, they were three down, Phil and Brady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And with the anticipation of alternate shot on the back nine. Oh, I, I mean, if anybody's played alternate shot, you and I have that yeah. big time pressure. That's a choke fest always. We, we used to play in the golf week days. We'd play a nine-hole match, best ball, just as they did, and then play a, an alternate shot. And, I mean, once you flip the switch to alternate shot, you're just choking your guts out because you just, you know, you don't want to let your partner down. You feel a little more pressure with that. And I was just dreading that for Brady, but uh, he played really well in the alternate shot. They were smart to do it modified so that pros could tee off everywhere. And uh, it worked out really well. I mean, they all all four of them jumped in there and contributed, and, and it made for a good match. Yeah, it sure did. Um, 
probably unfortunate that the medalist didn't shine um, under the uh, liquid liquid sunshine, but uh, beautiful golf course. And I think going in, you probably had to go with Tiger, being that it's his home course. Certainly uh, seemed like yeah. he would have the advantage. Yeah, you could get good money on uh, on on Phil and Tom Brady. That's for sure. You thought Phil might be up for it, and then then part of you, the smart part of you, says, "Look, Tiger's not going to lose the Phil two times in a row, especially not on his home course." So, yeah, Tiger looked. That's a, it's actually a tough golf course, and Tiger looked really at ease out there, drove it well, and just played really solidly. You know, you don't want to take too much into watching a guy play 18 holes of kind of hit and giggle but he looked pretty good he looked healthy and and that bodes well with golf you're right around the corner sure sure did sure looked absolutely uh, you know his, his swing looked good um uh, hit it in the fairway and uh raises our anticipation of of uh golf rebooting here next month um, speaking of which, however, one uh, tournament has pulled out of that restart lineup, the John Deere announcing that um, it will be canceling until next year. Yeah, that was surprising. A surprising bit of news to me yesterday. Um, I, I had talked to some folks who thought that might be the tournament where we might first see fans, you know, in July. You know, we're going to have to restart. We're going to Colonial and Hilton Head, playing the Travelers, then playing up in Detroit, and those will all be without fans. So the thinking was, you know, the John Deere might be the, the one tournament where they transition into at least having some fans out there. And to cancel altogether was, was kind of stunning to me. Uh, there's a huge charity aspect to that event. They raised almost $14 million, so... It's just like when we were at the players and they had to cancel on the Friday of the players. There's a huge impact on those local charities that you know, really need that $50,000 check or $100,000 check or whatever they get. I mean, it's huge. And uh, so that's the unfortunate part of the John Deere going away. And the tour didn't say they were looking into replacing it. They said they would. So that's kind of interesting, too. To, we'll wait and see what tournament they slot in there in July to replace it. Yeah, I'm wondering too. I, I know another piece of uh, the equation was that John Deere laid off more than 260 employees, um, with another 160 being placed on indefinite layoff beginning June one. So, um, yeah. you know, the optics there may uh, have played into the decision as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that, that's that's terrible optics to spend money running a golf tournament when you're laying off people. So, I mean, that end of it makes a lot of sense. And they, and they seem pretty intent to run that tournament with fans, too. I mean, I, I was on the site, and I saw the ticket packages and, and things like that. So, you know, they, they certainly have some, you know, in Illinois, they they're, have ongoing uh, some challenges as, as in terms of, you know, getting crowds together. So, I, I mean, I guess they looked at it, all added up, and they'll do it again next year. And um, some other interesting news. Um, it doesn't seem like we've been running out of news in the golf world. Yeah. Tony Jacklin calling out Sergio Garcia as the biggest underachiever in golf, Babs. 
Wow, that one hurts. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I think Sergio's achieved a a fair amount and got his major. And it's hard. It's hard to call anyone in golf an underachiever. You know, I mean, Freddie Couples had that label, and Davis Love kind of carried that label as a guy with all his game that won one major out there in the regular tour. It's, it's hard, man. It's hard to win out there. You, you golf is a game where you don't win very much. It's it's huge just to win once a year. Yeah, but you see these guys with all that talent. Uh, you know, it reminds you of the days Tom Percher. Everyone said, man, that's the greatest swing in golf. Why doesn't that guy win more? And it's just it's hard to win. A lot of things have to come together. So I, mean, I think Sergio's done pretty nicely when you look at his Ryder Cup record. The fact that he got his major, he's contended in others, uh, and he's still got a lot of golf days ahead of him too, you know. So that's uh, that's pretty harsh from Tony Jacklin for sure. Well, I was there at that PGA Championship when uh, Garcia burst on the scene in 99, mm-hmm. uh, right. finishing second to Tiger. And there was a lot of hope that, you know, these two would, you know, be the – you know, the foils that uh, golf was looking for. And, um, you know, Sergio's dedicated a lot of his time to the European tour, as we know. Um, but, you know, and he's, he's taken his shots and at times, you know, dug his own hole. But he's always yeah. been one of my fans. I just, uh, you know, he's just so passionate about the game and wears it on his sleeve, sometimes to his own, you know, fault. But... Uh, I don't know. He's only forty, but you would have thought. Yeah. You would have thought he'd have won more than one major, given what a solid ball striker he is, don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean, the way he drives the ball, he's one of those guys with the rare combination of driving it long and straight. Um, so I used to always look at him and say, "This guy should be a factor in U.S. Opens um, a lot." Yeah. And. And a lot, of, I mean, he got in his own way, right? I mean, I remember he, remember he threw a hissy fit walking off Augusta one year, shooting 66 on Sunday, saying he'll never win a major. Uh, so yeah, he got in his own way a lot, in his own his own head a lot. I think he enjoys golf a little bit more. He's settled down. He's got the family life. Uh, there's more to his world than just teeing it up on Thursday morning. So. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he picks off another major the way he's just a supreme ball striker. He just has to have that one hot putting week, and he'd be right back in the mix. Well, uh, speaking of in the mix, the European Tour announcing that it's uh, going to restart um, with a shortened schedule, correct? Yeah, well, they're going to kick off with six events in the U.K., which is interesting because they almost – at one point, we're so much around the world, they weren't playing much in the home of golf, right? We didn't see tournaments in England and Scotland, as many as you'd think. Um, they're going to play a couple in Wales. Uh, it's kind of interesting, because in that window, you wonder, could they not have played a, a, the British Open? Uh, was that premature for them to all, to cancel that altogether? The oldest major, uh, that, that to me, as, as news has developed through these months, was seemed like an early call to me that the British Open kind of bowed out altogether so early. Uh, but that's so, yeah, they're going to come back with a, an abbreviated schedule without, you know, within the UK, which means 
that's good for players travel-wise, uh, playing some Ryder Cup venues, so some cool TV to watch. They're at the Belfry and I think the K Club maybe. Um, so, yeah, it's a good way to kind of get them going again. I mean, it's, it's challenging. That, that tour plays all over the globe, so each tournament presents its own circumstances, and I'm sure there's a lot of things to figure out over there. Speaking of figuring things out, what's your over-under on the Ryder Cup? Are they going to play it without fans? It seems like a majority of the players are not enrolled. What are you hearing? Yeah, I'm, and I'm with them. The Ryder Cup, I wouldn't want to see a Ryder Cup or a major without fans. I, I think atmosphere is such a huge part of the mix. A Ryder Cup is so, so big about the fans. The first tee experience, you know, the, the home crowds for you know, every other, every two years, you know, we get a huge partisan crowd for one side or the other, and it's a huge part of it. And you know, if players, if their hearts aren't into it, there's no sense holding it. I mean, why not have it next year? It's going to be a great venue. Whistling Straits will be a cool match play venue. Just just put it off a year and, and let's get back to normal and get some fans out there. It's, I think it would be really forced to do it this year. And I think Seth Waugh realizes that at the, at the head of the PGA. He realizes that the crowds are a huge part of the Ryder Cup and it would just, it would just lack, it'd be a big hole if they uh, tried to put one on without a crowd. I agree with you, my friend. And um, it is exciting to see golfers out swinging away again. Reports I'm getting from all over the country is that courses are packed. Yes, they're operating at a little bit uh, smaller capacity, but that's good news. And these past two Sundays have really uh, been a treat and I'm fired up for Colonial. How about you? Yeah, well, I'm fired up. I, I just, not until yesterday did I see the top five players in the world are going to be there playing. So, you know, McElroy and Rahm and Kepka and uh, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson. I mean, you start a field with those five, and that's huge. So it's, it's going to be exciting just to be back playing. But uh, I thought some of the big guys might sit one out and see kind of sit on the sideline and see how they play out, what players have to go through, things like that. But these guys are going to jump right in. And, you know, I mean, Tiger's going to get in that mix sooner or later. So maybe he's better off to play a, a Colonial or uh, a Hilton head with, with his game these days where he can kind of control a tee ball and let his irons go to work. Uh, you know, he's got to, I think, rethink what his old strong suits used to be and, and jump in there and get playing because we're going to be uh, we're going to be playing some big tournaments pretty soon. We are. We keep on rolling here at the Golf Insiders, and uh, as always, Jeff Babineau. Check out his stories on themorningread.com. Thanks, my friends. Stay well, and look forward to teeing it up soon. Okay, stay safe, Holly G. Good to chat.